Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by Hunter Fortson, one of the youth ministers at the 10th and Broad Church. Let's tune in now for Hunter's message. Well, good morning again. Uh, It's good to be here, like I said. Uh, Let me start us off with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the sermon today. Uh, God, thank you for just allowing us uh, to be in your presence and uh, be here with you today. Uh, God, today I ask that you pour through me a gift of preaching and that you allow me to speak your word uh, to these words that you've helped me prepare. And God, just open our hearts uh, to this lesson and to this word. Uh, Father, we love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we are in a sermon series on how God grows your faith. And last week, Ken uh, gave us the message, and he talked about practical teaching. Uh, He talked about the importance on putting Jesus' teachings in your life and that there was a a great importance on the actual application of Jesus' teachings. And so today, in a similar message, I get to take it a step further for you. And we're going to talk today about private disciplines. And these are the actual things uh, that we can do and that we can put in our life uh, today. And so discipline, simply put, is things that you're supposed to do but don't always want to do. For example, we're supposed to eat right. Not too much, not too little. We're supposed to sleep well. Again, not too much and certainly not too little. We're supposed to exercise right. We're supposed to be responsible with our money. All of these are things that we're supposed to do, but it's certainly more enjoyable to not do them and to eat Taco Bell and Chick-fil-A and sleep in as late as you want. These are things that take discipline and many more. And oftentimes, these things that start as a discipline eventually become habits or hobbies, Y'all ever met someone who runs a lot? These are the most infuriating yet influential people that I know. Uh, because every time I, every time I talk to one of these people, I think I could wake up early and run. Cause that's how it goes. If your habit is running, you have to wake up at four or five in the morning and tell people about it. Um, <laughs> and I think I could do that every time. And I set an alarm for five or six in the morning. And as soon as that alarm goes off, there's no chance I'm running. I go back to sleep. And it's in that moment that I initially, that I despise that person that initially inspired me because I realized how little discipline I have and how much more discipline they have than myself. But those people will tell you that it always starts that way, that you have to get past that hump and that initial discomfort and the initial uh, unpleasantness. And then it eventually becomes a habit and it becomes something that you couldn't imagine yourself not doing. And they'll also tell you that you can do these disciplines even if you don't want to. You can still make progress in your physical health even with a bad attitude. And just like running or any other type of exercise, our faith is like a muscle. It needs to be exercised and fed right and and practiced for it to grow. And even if you don't know how or even if you don't want to or even if you're scared for some reason, you can still do these spiritual disciplines that we're going to talk about today and benefit from it. So like I said, we're going to talk today about a few spiritual disciplines, a few private practices that you can do. Um, And even if you've never been very good at it or even if uh, you've never done it before, you can still benefit from these in your faith. So we're going to be in Matthew 6 today. Uh, and these are mostly Jesus' words. It's from kind of around the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and so I'm going to start in verse 1, Matthew 6, 1. And it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
So Jesus says for us to be careful not to practice our righteousness in front of others. And when he says practice our righteousness, what he's really talking about is, it's his way of saying private disciplines. And that'll become clear in a minute. And he says, be careful not to practice them in front of others to be seen by them. You may do them in public from time to time, but there needs to be a private element to these things. And more than just a private element, there needs to be a private focus to them. And he says, if you do them, your heavenly father sees you and he rewards you. And he goes on in verses 2 through 4, and he gives us the first one. Now, before I read this verse, I want to preface it and say, it's about finances, and it's about giving. And I wanted to skip this portion of the passage. <laughs> um, because I feel like when you want to hear a sermon about finances and about giving, you don't want the 25-year-old single male to be giving that, uh, giving that lesson. You want somebody a little closer to God, as some might say. Um, <laughs> but Jesus talks about it, so I'll give it a go as well. He says this, Matthew 6, 2-4. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So Jesus says, when you give, not if, and that's going to be a pattern we see through all of these uh, disciplines. But he says, when you give, not if, when you give, do not do so so that everyone will see you. Because those people have received their reward. Well, what was the reward? Honor and recognition from other men. And so if you give in secret, your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Jesus doesn't tell us what our reward is here, but we can guess Uh, based on context that part of this reward at least is honor that just like those men were honored when other men saw what they were giving that god is going to honor us when he sees what we're giving in our hearts and in secret so jesus says there's going to be a reward from our father as you privately give and fund the things that are close to god's heart and i got a question for you what if we actually believe that What if we truly believe that God our Father sees us and rewards us for our private disciplines? And in this case, the private discipline of giving. And I want want to tell you about two people that I've witnessed that I believe truly see this and truly believe this for what it is. Uh, They're my grandparents, Michael and Doris. Uh, For those that don't know, my grandparents are missionaries in Tanzania, Africa. They built an orphanage there about over a decade ago, and they've been living there kind of on and off for about eight months. And my grandma always says, that's where her heart is. She says, if we die there, bury us there. Don't bring us back. That's, that's where their heart is. Uh, my dad doesn't like that joke. But um, <laughs> this all started in their retirement. They lived a whole life of, of ministry. They were there in Tanzania, Africa in the 70s. My dad and his sibling was born there. Um, And then they came back to the States and did all kinds of ministry, preaching, youth, campus. I mean, just you name it, they were doing it. And in their retirement, after many years of different ministries, they decided to take a trip to reminisce to Tanzania. And while they were there, they saw a need that needed to be filled. They saw babies abandoned on the streets and on people's doorsteps and in places that babies should not be. And they had a calling to do something about it. But orphanages don't just fall out of the sky, especially not in Tanzania, Africa. So they had to build it from the ground up. And I can assure you, after a life of living as a minister, they did not have the funds needed to buy and purchase the land. So they had to trust in God. And they believed in what they were giving, and they knew that God would reward them with a successful mission. 
My grandma doesn't really talk about finances a lot when it comes to the orphanage, but when she does, she always says one particular thing. She says, we don't have a big donor. She says, we have a bunch of small donors. She says, we're about this deep, but we're this wide in finances. And that's all because of God. And she, she says, they'll be the first to tell you that they started out with a concern for money. How are they going to buy the land? How are they going to buy the materials? How are they going to pay the builders that are constantly trying to rip them off? But eventually, they found out it wasn't much so about a lack of money. It was about a lack of faith in God. That they had put too much faith in money, to, and they needed to overcome their faith in money to deepen their trust and faith in God. They didn't have the answers on how they were going to give all this time and all this money to a mission that God put on their hearts, but they knew that they just needed to trust him, and specifically trust him with their finances. And that's what God is asking us to do as well, to trust him with the one thing that we seek out and the one thing that we trust the most. And so thankfully, Jesus moves on, starting in verse 5. And this is the second of the private disciplines or acts of righteousness that Jesus mentions. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Again, we see Jesus say, when, not if, when you pray, not if, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who pray to be seen by others because they have received their reward in full. What was their reward again? Honor and approval from others. So Jesus has now connected our money to rewards from God, and now he's connecting our prayers to rewards from God. And to be clear, I'm not saying God is going to reward you when you pray or, or answer every prayer that you've ever given or anything. There's not going to be a little gift on the Christmas tree that says, from God to Hunter. You know, this, because what Jesus is really talking about here is your time. Not these fast-track prayers that we say so often going through our normal day or, or driving to work or anything like that. Not that those are bad by any means, but Jesus wants your time. Set aside a space and a time for me, he says. Go in your room, lock the door, and spend time with me. Time is the most valuable thing we have. We may think it's our money, but it's our time. And he wants us to carve out a time and a space for him, the most valuable thing that we can give. And he wants us to devote our time to him. And listen to what he says here in the second part of verse 6 again. It says, Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So just like he said about giving, our father sees what we do in secret. And I think this is interesting to think about, that when, when you go in your room and you pray, your heavenly father sees that and he hears it. And again, not saying we aren't heard or seen with these short, fast-tracked prayers. All I'm saying is that in some mystical and and special and intimate way, that when we devote our time to God, when we separate ourselves from everybody else, and we spend time with Him, that He sees us. And the Bible says that God will not only see you, but reward you. And what is that reward again? Jesus doesn't really tell us here. But if you asked a bunch of people what the reward of spending time with God is, I bet they would say that they leave their time with God with this uncanny assurance that God is with them. That before you face the struggles and the grind of the day that has yet to come, you leave feeling that God is with you. I'm not sure that's the specific reward Jesus is talking about here, but I can tell you as it stands, that's a pretty good reward as it is. 
I think we should want that as Christians to feel God's presence through our, our, our regular day. To go through every day knowing God is with you. Because there's something honoring to God when you take a slot of time out of your busy day and spend it with him and with him alone. And I promise if you do that, you're going to see the growth in your faith that you've been searching for. And so now Jesus goes on and he gives us the Lord's Prayer and he says this is how we should pray. So if you're struggling with prayer or anything, you could probably start with the Lord's Prayer. But he gives us the Lord's Prayer and then he gives us the third act of righteousness or private discipline that he says that we should be doing. Matthew six sixteen through 8 says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what, what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus has already taught his disciples not to call attention to themselves in public when they give to the needy and when they pray. And now he applies that same basic lesson to fasting. Now fasting involves abstaining from food and other things and other activities in order to focus on worship or confession or specific prayers given to God. And fasting was a regular part of worship in the Israelites' life. The law required at least once a year on the Day of Atonement that they needed to fast. And in addition, individuals might fast in order to indicate repentance before God or to bring special requests to him in great times of need. And fasting is this very intimate thing that we do with God. And again, we see it says, when you fast, not if. And in Jesus' era, it seems that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, made it a point to do this in a very public manner. Uh, the Pharisees had a reputation for being the most strictly religious people um, around, and they were very, very proud of that uh, distinction. Scholars suggest that the Pharisees fasted at least two days every week. Um, and it's, Jesus says that they disfigured their faces or kind of intentionally decided to not groom themselves, uh, to, to make themselves look worse so that people would ask them about it or people would know that they're fasting. And to me, we talked about runners. To me, this sounds like, this is what I'm imagining is the, the people who wake up early and run, right? I mean, they have to wake up early and so they're tired and they walk around on their fourth cup of coffee throughout the day and they're like, oh, I'm so tired. And then you have to ask at that moment, why are you tired? And then they get really excited. It's like, I woke up at four to run five miles, you know? That's, that's what I'm imagining here, right? Is, that these Pharisees were walking around and they're like, oh, I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. And then you have to ask them, you know, like, why are you hungry? And then they get really excited and like, I'm fasting. Did you know I'm fasting? Did you know? So this quest for publicity was working for them. They wanted to be seen by others. They wanted the approval from others. And people saw them and they understood that they were fasting yet again and they gave them that credit. And Jesus says here that human approval is the only reward that these attention seekers will receive for their fasting. Since their effort was not about God, God is not going to recognize them or reward them for it. Jesus promises again that God the Father sees what his people do in secret. And his point is that God notices when his faithful people do three things. When they meet the needs of others, when they pray, or as stated now, when they participate in fasting. God is watching and he sees when his people honor him in their hearts, even if nobody else knows it. Since he's the only one we should seek to please, he's the only one who needs to know. And this tension we feel with these disciplines is a faith tension. It's an uncomfortable tension and it challenges us. 
Like I said at the beginning, our faith is like a muscle. It needs to be used and it needs to be practiced and fed right to grow. And there needs to be that tension for the muscle to grow. And maybe you're uncomfortable giving a ton or you've never been much of a giver. Maybe you don't know where to start or don't know how to spend alone time with God. Maybe you've never fasted or maybe even you're scared of what God is, God is going to reveal to you in your time of fasting. I'll just ask you, just let him worry about those things. Let him worry about your finances. Let him worry about your time with him. Let him guide you in that area. You can do these disciplines scared, nervous, confused, or even angry. You can still make progress in your faith, even with a bad attitude. So as I close here, I want to challenge you this next month to trust God with your first few minutes of the day and with your first few dollars. Thank you.